0: Hey, what's up everyone and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. For the next four weeks, we'll be discussing events leading up to the election. All of 2020 has truly been leading up to November 3rd. Over the next few weeks, I'll be joined by some great people to discuss current events. And joining me today, we have musician and arranger, Ian Felchin, and American government professor and founder of the Justice Warriors Academy, Ndidi Amadi. Hey, hey. How are you both doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I
0: can't complain. Amen. (laughs) Yeah,
2: pretty good. Pretty good. No no valid complaints. No (laughs)
0: valid. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Obviously, the year in general, as as I talk about on every podcast, has just been a a riot. But the last week, last 10 days, I would say, has uh, been quite... case of events in the United States. So let's just, let's just get going. So let's first talk about Trump getting COVID and the aftermath of all that. So 10, I think about 10 days ago, 10, 11 days ago, the president of the United States was diagnosed with COVID. He went to Walter Reed and miraculously has been healed. And now he thinks he's the Messiah. That's okay. what I think. <laughs> <laughs> what were your first reactions when you heard that he got COVID? Indeed, I'm going to start with you.
1: Sure. Honestly, I didn't know if I could believe it, Because so many Mm. things happen with him where it's like, is this real? Is this a fallacy? I didn't believe it. I think he did have it because, like, I said, I'm struggling to breathe. And he had, like, something on it, like a breathing device. So I think he did have it. Um, And I don't mean to be cruel, but it's kind of like there's consequences to, like, your actions. (laughs) I wasn't wishing him dead. I know some people were taking it really far. But it's kind of just like, that's what happens when you hold rallies and no one's wearing a mask. And the thing is contagious. You're going to get sick. So it was almost like, but what was? It? I was in disbelief when I saw that people, his his supporters were still holding big events and they still weren't taking precaution. So I thought that was shocking. I was like, "This is your king. He's got sick." And like, <laughs> right, right,
0: right. I love that. This is your um, king. That's exactly how they act, though. And I really, I, I personally didn't think it was going to matter that he got it. I still think that his supporters are like, well, he got it, but he's fine. So it, 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 it's going to be, he's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. But Ian, I know we, you and I have talked about this a bunch, but what were your first initial reactions when he got COVID?
2: Um, I mean, I guess my first reaction was disbelief, not necessarily because I was like, I didn't believe that he had it. I think the fact that he tweeted it at like one in the morning to me said, he definitely has it, but it was more of like, I didn't expect like the October surprise to be on time, you know, like uh, and and more, more often it was just an immediate think of thought of like, okay, what does this mean? Because like you said, like his supporters, they don't care. Like the next day there were memes of him as a wrestler beating coronavirus with a chair, you know, like, so it, 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 to me, the real question was like, what, what does this mean for the rest of the election? Mm -hmm. Obviously what does this mean for his health? Mm -hmm. Because, As somebody who's 74, technically obese, uh, and obviously has, you know, is a perfect specimen of health, as he says, like this is, it's a serious, serious illness with a lot of risks. And regardless of who he is, as who he is, it's also like a president, a sitting president, possibly struck with a, a life threatening virus in bad shape. Less than a month before the election, or right. a month before the election. You know? Right. So, is this a lot of uncertainty for me? Like, so many questions raised that I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to or are still finding out.
0: For sure. And I think for me, when When I saw that he had it, I just kind of prayed and that people were laughing at me on Twitter, like, you know, don't hold your breath, that he was going to come out of it with a little bit more humility and maybe a little bit more understanding and a little bit more, I don't know, acting like a responsible human being. You contracted it and now you can tell people, hey, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't good. I don't want you guys to get it. I want, you know, please be careful, wear your mask, social distance. And he didn't do any of that. None. He actually came out and said, Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it control your life, which makes things 10 times worse than it already was.
2: He just, it's like, it's like at every possible turn in this man's life, let alone the past three and a half years, there's all these opportunities for him to grab a situation, take control of it, own up to it, and like be a president. And in my opinion, Seal the deal on reelection, like no doubt, especially this year. And he, they just can't even do that. Yeah, it's he just like it's a complete fumble every time because of his ego.
1: And I just thought it was a height of insensitivity to say that you shouldn't fear it because a lot of people have died. I know people personally who have it, but my friends are younger, so they've beaten it. But I've known my friends' parents to die. So like to say not to fear it, it's a, it's really yeah. insensitive. It's really callous. And a lot of people, not a lot of people, all the people are not going to have the best of care that he got. He got airlifted to Walter Reed, you know, in D.C. So it's like a lot of people don't have that access, especially people in the Black and Brown community where Mm COVID is at higher rates.
0: I think... I think that's the other thing that really upset me was that for someone who's essentially been denying the seriousness of this whole time, he got the care that so many people were denied. And right. and and it's it's heartbreaking because he doesn't even I mean, now he's saying he's trying to make it available to everybody, even though that we'll talk about that in a second with the whole <laughs> Regeneron thing. But um it's when your his supporters don't even really see that how harmful like his rhetoric is and how harmful his behavior is. And that's what's just so frustrating to me. Like the selfishness of him, him and his administration as a whole, because as you saw, the event was a super spreader event every day, at least one or two more people from that specific
2: event that was for Amy
0: Coney Barrett, they contracted the virus.
2: And it it feels like that's the other thing is that there's, there's this, it's the insensitivity, but it's, it's the, like just sheer lack of, compassion for people even in his own perceived base or whatever like people who maybe don't have the best quality of life or are dangerous or are not taking it seriously because of the things that he and his administration has said previously and then on the other end of it to come out and basically just talk about how not a big deal it was and how he's immune and he's you know so great at beating this virus is it's just like it just proves that there's the only person that matters to Donald Trump is Donald Trump. Yeah. Not his kids, not Americans, not his followers, nothing. And it's just it's like it's heartbreaking. How
1: did we get here?
2: <laughs> I yeah.
0: that, oh girl, that's that's a whole nother that's
2: a- <laughs> That's that's a whole other season of this podcast. Right,
0: exactly. How did we get here? How far back do we need to go? Yeah. But so now he's saying, you know, he got this cocktail of antivirals, for uh, Regeneron, and apparently we find out that he has like a stake in it, or I think, mm-hmm. if I'm not yeah. uh, mistaken. But it, it found it very interesting that he wants to give this to everyone for free, but his entire platform basically is anti-socialism. And it's like, do you not realize what you're saying and of course his supporters would take it like oh donald trump is supporting this they think it's great you know they all were on the hydroxychloroquine train they're going to be on this train as well but they don't even realize the the irony of him saying this but like what were your thoughts indeedy
1: I think that he just wants to be the savior. I think he wants to be the one to have the answer to this thing that we've been struggling with all year. I think a lot of the reason why we haven't passed the stimulus bill is because he wants to swoop in and save everything. I mean, that's a totally different yeah. subject. But I yeah. think that's I agree. the Bottom of everything because he has this, it's beyond pride, it's arrogance. And he just wants to save everything. That's why he wants to give it to people, give it away like, like candy.
0: So leading up to the election, I mean, we have four weeks into the election. What do you kind of see happening with Trump and COVID? And, you know, he's trying to say that he wants a vaccine to come out before, which is like not possible whatsoever. But Ian, like, what do you see happening in the next four weeks just in regards to COVID with him?
2: Well, I mean, I think think he's going to say at any opportunity, whatever he thinks is going to make himself look the best. I mean, let's set aside whether or not he's still on a steroid that induces mania. Let's set aside if he is still sick or not. But to me, it's like, he's going to take every opportunity when he's asked about COVID and he will, and everyone is, even Fox News is asking him about it. He's going to do whatever he can to make himself work good. So whether it's saying he's going to give people Regeneron for free, which he certainly doesn't plan to, or I don't think he can, or I also think he's going to start saying that a vaccine is coming or that he's had it or he's seen it or he's going to give it out, whether or not that's even remotely true, even if by some miracle. I'm just coughing. I'm not, I don't have COVID. Um, (laughs) This isn't an impression of him on Hannity. You know, I I do think that he's going to start saying, as we get closer, I have a vaccine. It's ready to go. You know, I can see him blaming the Democrats or the deep state for why it's not publicly released, but promising like, Oh, if I win the election, then, you know, November 4th, the vaccine's going to ship. Like to me, he's going to do whatever he can to make himself look like, he said, like the savior, like the one who's gonna protect the country like he's been saying he's going to for the past five years.
0: Indeed, what about you? What do you think you're going to see from Trump in the next few weeks?
1: We're going to see a lot of antics, shenanigans, (laughs) promises. Yeah, (laughs) a show at this point. I wouldn't put anything past him. Um, I think he's in heavy campaign mode. I know the polls are showing that he's down. Um, So we're going to see him trying to save himself, pretty much.
0: He'll stop at nothing. It's only about (laughs) winning. It's really not about doing the job. And I think we've obviously seen that over the last three years. It's never been about being president to all people. It's just about being on top. And... If, I, I don't know how people can't see that, but of course there are still a lot of people that are blinded by his antics, as you said. I think that's a great word to describe <laughs> the things that he does. They're just antics. So yeah, we're all going to obviously be watching him closely. We'll be seeing every single tweet because I can, I need to stay off of his Twitter, but I, it's like almost an addiction for me because I'm like, what did this fool say today? I have to go and see <laughs> what he tweeted. So we're going to be watching him, but I want to backtrack a little bit now and talk about the vice presidential debate that happened last week. <laughs> (laughs) with Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. My initial impression was that um, Kamala did great. And I felt like naturally we're going to be rooting for the side that we're on. But I will say I felt both of them and Ian and I, we have have a group text that we we talk in a lot. It did feel like they were both dodging some questions. And one of the biggest questions I felt that Kamala has been dodging and Biden has been dodging is like, if they're going to be doing court packing. And I think that that's something that they do need to address. So what are your guys' views on court packing or how you think that they should actually answer that question moving forward?
2: Quite frankly, I don't know enough in depth about the Supreme Court and the higher levels of the justice system to to really have a definite opinion on court packing itself in in Mm -hmm. concept and theory. I think from like a gut gut reaction as a, a, a Democrat and someone who's liberal, the idea of Biden winning after Barrett is is, um, confirmed, and then Mm -hmm. packing the court with more liberals sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. But I think also it, despite what Biden will say about they're already packing the courts, the courts blah blah blah. It does set a precedent because, and and something I think that's important. Anytime there's a a game changer or or a a possible Plan B that's that's maybe a little bit out there uh, within the realms of government. I think I always think of okay, well, if we do this as Democrats there's nothing to stop the Republicans from doing the exact same thing. And then at what point do we stop trying to one-up each other? Um, I do think that they need to answer the question about court packing. And I know that a lot of the response that Biden had in the past couple of days is because he doesn't want to play into the Trump campaign's hand to have a statement on that. Yeah, But ultimately, from my point of view, I would rather them come out and give an answer even if that answer ends up being different, and there's ways to argue a way that you change your mind, mm-hmm. because sooner or later it becomes less about are they going to do it, and more about why are they not answering it. Yeah, and that's just that's an issue and a question that I feel like we don't need to get bogged down in when there are so many other serious things to be spoken of in debates and on campaign. Yeah,
0: changes. it doesn't need to be in the spotlight because, like you're right, there are very there are more serious issues.
1: I think that they shouldn't avoid questions on both sides. I think the American people deserve. Yeah straight up answers. Whatever your intentions are, we should be able to know. I don't think that's such a question to fear. Um, And I don't know why the Republicans are so concerned about them court packing because Donald Trump has filled the Mm -hmm. court system with almost 200 federal circuit judges, Mm -hmm. conservative side. And then if you guys paid attention to the vice vice presidential debate, Penn said that he was going to fill the court with all conservatives that that was their plan so if they're saying their yeah. plan I see why biden and harris should be afraid to say what their plan is and another thing i think that should happen i don't think we should be so partisan in regards to our judges i think mm-hmm. we need to be the most qualified it shouldn't just be well they're a democrat so we're going to fill fill the court with that i don't think that that's the way we should go on either side let's just pick who's the most qualified yeah. Side. That's, yeah
2: that's that's yes 100 percent. yes i read i read some interesting things about uh, there are a couple deep dives on Amy Coney Barrett and I'm, I'm not saying that I am thrilled that she's going to be confirmed, but I think, uh, you know, the best thing that we can do is if she gets confirmed is hold her accountable to the words that she's saying, where she's going to, you know, rule on the side of the law, not on her opinions. And whether or not that's true, it plays into the most qualified thing where we, it, the partisanship in the justice system, especially at such a high level, let alone all the lower courts, all it does is reinforce itself. And the more that we're worried about Republican jur- uh, judges, the more they're worried about Democratic judges and back yeah. and forth, and and, yeah. and at what point does that, it's not even a court anymore, it's just a right. bunch of opinions. Right. It's not that got nothing to do with the law or reading the law or interpreting the law. It's, it's
0: just about one-upping each yeah. other.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And nobody is is served well with that mindset. Um, what are your other impressions with the uh, vice presidential debate? Were there specific answers that you really enjoyed? Were there questions that you wish were answered more?
1: Let me tell you, I was tickled. I went to Howard University. I'm a little bit biased <laughs> to Senator Kamala Harris. <laughs> I love seeing her on that stage. I'll leave that there. I think she handled herself well. Um, I would have to say it was so much better to watch this debate than the presidential debate because that one was like going to the dentist and getting a root canal. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what really disturbed me was when Pence couldn't answer a couple of questions. He didn't answer the question to my satisfaction in regards to white nationalism and supremacy. And he didn't answer if he was going to be able to, him and Trump are going to be able to step back if they do not win. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like his response to uh, criminal justice system. He said something along the lines as, I can't believe that we're still talking about how we have systemic racism in our nation. I might be paraphrasing, but he said something to that effect. And I was quite shocked.
3: And
0: that- then he kind of pivoted to focusing on like the the rioters and the looters and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And now he wanted to talk about systemic racism. And yeah.
1: I, I was shocked. I was like, this country is built on racism. How can you not <laughs> do that?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I you yeah, want yeah. It
1: to be around, but it's here.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised, but it is interesting how evasive both Pence and Trump have been when it comes to talking about systemic racism and, you know, denouncing white supremacy and, and the white nationalists. It's, it's, crazy. (laughs) I mean, I really don't know any other way to to say it. It truly is crazy because you don't ever see them speak out against those groups. They want... I always like to say oppressors love civility, and that's exactly how they're acting. And it's... um, I, I mean, they're obviously pandering to their base because the base loves to hear that... BLM and then the people that are rioting are the ones causing all these issues without actually looking at the reason why those situations are happening. But if you're going to say that you're going to be a representative for all people then you do truly need to to be a president for all people.
2: Um, I would say a couple of things. First of all and listen before I even say this, obviously the two of you have much more direct encounters with this than me, but it was so fucking infuriating to watch what was happening and know that Kamala and to a lesser extent Susan Page couldn't really speak up or take control for fear of being labeled a nasty woman or angry black woman or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that's all I'll say because obviously, you know, I'm I'm as a white, straight white male, I'm not the person to really speak to that. But my God was it it was horrible. And 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 as the father of a daughter knowing that even as a you know white woman when she grows up, she will still likely encounter some of that is fucking Drives me crazy. Anyways, tied into that, though, it was, listen, Kamala was great. I think she handed herself, handled herself well. She maybe evaded more questions or took too long to answer some questions directly than I would have preferred. A lot mm-hmm. of times it, it would seem like she was off on a path, but she would tie it back, which was great. Um, I think, unfortunately, Pence was literally just, like, Trying to real time reinterpret Trump campaign bullet points into answers and then like seal it with a creepy white middle class (laughs) smile afterwards. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, he's just creepy, so I don't think it really worked. But he is, you know my (laughs) husband.
0: My husband was like, Mike Pence just looks like he drinks a glass of milk,
2: and it it made like
0: made me feel so uncomfortable.
2: It, it looks like he I drinks a glass him. of milk with every meal, like eggs, bacon, and milk, oh. cheese, butter, fries, and milk, like, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. Chinese food, not that he probably eats Chinese food, and milk. Like, it's, it, he's just, he's just, like, weird and smarmy. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm sure his kids love him and his family loves him and stuff, but especially in his role now, it really, the entire thing felt disingenuous, especially the, like, how dare you ask about white supremacy because the president's so, you know son-in-law and grandchildren are Jewish. Like, dude, come on. Right. Like, that's right. why you ask about it. Like it's just, it's just this like sickening, like almost like willful display of, hey, look at me. I don't have to really be held accountable to all this stuff because I'm the vice president and you know facts don't matter or anything. Right.
0: Um, right.
2: I do, I do w- really wish that you know, regardless of what I said first, I wish that Susan Page would have been able to control it a little bit more. Obviously, it's it's a big task. And I do think she did a lot better than than some people are saying. Um, I think it's just, it's weird. Like you said, it it felt so much better, NDD, to watch this debate compared to the garbage fire that we saw a couple weeks ago. But to me, it almost made it worse because all the lack of substance and the lack of a coherent, non-racist, bullet point from the Republican party were there but it was like under this cover of like civility that just felt so false and it sounds weird to say this but i almost preferred the like rabid monkey chewing the scenery of trump because at least you like you there was no veil right I mean? there's no you filter
0: whatsoever yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: pence feels like the ultimate gaslighter cuz it's like he's right. smiling in your face well was like he's saying the same trash he's just saying it with right.
2: his mouth with soft hair that's and good. and he's
0: exactly he's calm, cool, collected, but it's still evil. Same thing. It's true. I will.
2: I will say though, as an addendum to my first point, Kamala may not have vocally taken control, but her facial expressions <laughs> were like that. If I, I I guarantee you, when he looked at her, when when she was doing that, he instantly flashed back to like getting in trouble as a kid, because that was like. She was like, sir. You do something, yeah. you do something wrong <laughs> and your mother p- pulls you into like the living room with the principal or something like that. and doesn't have to say a word. It's just the facial expression. It yeah. was gold.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So now we, you know, we, we're going to have a second presidential debate, but it has been canceled. Right. And I'm not surprised by that at all. I actually had a feeling that Trump was not going to want to do a second one anyway. But was it, this one was officially canceled by the commission though, right? Not him. I think yeah.
2: so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, because Trump got coronavirus they wanted to make it virtual and he was like i don't want it to be virtual i want it to be in person said, no that's not gonna happen right but it was canceled like a kindergarten fight
2: <laughs> i love that he was like he was like well i don't want it i don't want it to be virtual because then they can cut me off whenever they want
0: they can actually like- mute your mic yeah <laughs> well that's a shame because i actually was uh even i was gonna suffer through the next one that first one it did wear me out i was actually exhausted yeah. after watching yeah. it but I, yeah, I, I really do have to give props to Kamala because it, it takes a lot as a black woman to have to sit there. And the, I, I was telling somebody like the emotional Olympics that you have to go through in your head as a black woman being like, okay, I want to say this, but I can't say it just like this. Otherwise I sound like this. So I need to word it this way, but I have to make sure that I get this point across. Like right. she handled herself so, so well and i don't think people really did give her enough credit to be honest
1: yeah very easy kill when he got under her skin she smiled and made a face yes (laughs) yeah about it you know
0: and i think the other thing that she really showed is that because you know god bless biden but he is old as dirt let's just be honest If, (laughs) if if I mean he is. If God forsake anything happened to him or he wasn't able to continue, I think she did show that she absolutely could lead this country absolutely. by the 100%. way that she presented herself. And absolutely. I think that's kind of what was the plan in the first place in, in choosing her, you know, with, with her with her record and you know her the time that she spent in government, she completely is more than qualified. So I, I, I do even though she does come with a little bit of red tape, and you know, we can talk about that in a second, but I I I understand why why she was chosen. Um, yeah,
1: and I'm glad because when she first ran for president, people weren't really behind her. I was behind her. Because I have my reasons. But I think people are starting to come around and say, like this is why she ran for president. She knew that she can handle this. She knew that she was a good politician. And she can carry herself with poise. And she's very intelligent and very sharp. And you can't just she's not a doormat. Mm-hmm.
3: So,
0: mm-hmm. People right. People
1: are starting to see like, this is why she ran for president. Exactly. She, came she first came out.
0: Exactly. So as we're looking at the Biden and Harris campaign, what do you think the positives have been? And what do you think that they've shown that they're going to accomplish and you truly do believe? Or what do you think that they're kind of lacking? Because I know there are a lot of specifically Black Americans that aren't 100% sold because of their past records. But I also know there there are some people that say, you know, I don't know what their plan is for this, or I don't know what their plan is for this. So what, what do you think the positives have been in their campaign so far?
1: I think, well, I think a lot of people should go to Biden's website. He has a very clear plan for Black Americans, this segment of the population, this, and it's very, very detailed. It's laid out. I like to see. I think people should start with that if they're confused about what does he stand for. Same thing with Trump. If people are on the fence or whatever, they should compare plans. Um, I think that what has been lacking, Biden has had some snafus with the way (laughs) that he has talking just <laughs> right? you're not black i'm like sir you're not black either right. so you know he's had some snafus and at that time he didn't have a vice presidential a person running with him so I was like he needs to pick somebody quick to keep him in line with some of the things that yeah. he said mm-hmm. um both of their records are in question but the thing i think people need to realize is that politicians evolve and they change yes. a lot of people yeah. Barack obama that was their favorite president ever in life he's changed on some of his policy positions He's changed and they love him. So like, I think we have to give people room to evolve and grow and look at what they've done recently. Um, yes, Kamala was a prosecutor and people have issues with that. But as I'm from California, you guys all are, she's our center. I think she's done a really good job as a senator. I, I do. Yeah. I think they champion things that I care for. So I think people need to like, keep those things in mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I really agree. I think I think a, a great place, this this race is really interesting to me and all, all presidential races are like this, but this one especially where it seems like the policy substance comes from texts and websites, not text messages, like text like written text. It's not said as much maybe as in other races because I think so much about the vocal uh part of the campaign and the statements and the sound bites are all more about we're not going to be what's happening now, which I think is appropriate because they need to show that they're going to be different and that this is not going to be you know either a rehash of the last four years, which no way it would be. Um, Or your average typical, you know, Democrat, whatever people think is stereotypical Democratic uh, administration. Um, Whereas the the policy substance, a lot of times I find myself going to his website to either answer questions people have asked me or things that I want to know about. Um, And I think, I actually think that's strong if enough people do it, because it's so easy in today's world to try to, not try to, to get caught up in the 24-hour news, Twitter news, you know, all these little quotes, small little pieces of information that a lot of times are really just actual quotes or sound bites from the candidates themselves or answers to questions that they were posed. Um, And in that kind of environment, I think it's really hard to put like definite policy through. So one of the things I think they've handled well is being able to kind of juggle both of those things and be really good with Social media and marketing, like the thing with the fly. As much as I'm tired of hearing about the fly from the presidential <laughs> debate, like before the big debate was over, they were selling fly swatters. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and it's it's that kind of thing, and, and making little funny tweets and 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 promotional things that stick in people's mind. And theoretically, once you have that in your mind, and you want to learn more, if you're still undecided, somehow, um, you you then go to the website and see out the information. I think. I really like what you said uh Indeedee, about allowing politicians to evolve.
0: Yes, yes. Because
2: I think in in and this is a larger conversation about cancel culture and all that, but yeah. I think as humans like we all we always hopefully learn from our mistakes and learn from our experiences if nothing else and trying to hold somebody permanently accountable to a detrimental level from something that they may have done 5, 10, 20 years ago that has since been eclipsed or at least Apologize for or at least they've tried to learn more and 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 maybe do something a little different is just it's just this just no way to to exist and no way we can expect especially politicians um to live in that environment so i i really like that idea of like you know they may have done this in the past with their records but that doesn't mean that they're going to a do the same now or not be different now
0: for sure. And I completely agree with that. But I think one of the things, and I think we just see this with public figures in general, is that there isn't this humility to come forward and say, you know yes. what, yes. I did this in the past, but I'm, I'm, I've learned from it and I wouldn't do this again. And I wish we saw more of that because I think 100%. I would hope I'm the type of person that would be forgiving for that. Be like, you know what, you learned from your mistakes. Your trajectory in your life over the last five years has shown that you've made a change. It's right. you're absolved. But a lot of people just don't do that. And I really wish, specifically with politicians, that we would have more people coming forward in that way.
1: Great point. That would help a lot of people. That's, We're yeah. just looking for authenticity in someone who's genuine and someone who thinks that will champion our voice. But if you can't make own up to your mistakes and you're supposed to be a leader, it, it does look bad on you.
2: Yeah. Right. And, right. I, and I, I think that's great because if you, in order to be authentic, you have to be like genuinely a human being like the rest of everybody else, you know? And And yeah. that's... I, I, it, I think if we saw more politicians doing that, the world could be a different place. I agree. Yeah. I agree.
0: Uh, well, speaking of not being genuine, I'm going to move on to Candace <laughs> Owens. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm not one to want to throw another Black woman under the bus. However, this woman is writing my last Nerve okay. I let, let me say, I do think Candace is actually incredibly intelligent. I do, but I think that intellect is being put towards the wrong agenda. So, if you don't know what Blexit is, Blexit is her nonprofit organization that she's created in order to help black people exit from the Democratic Party and move to the Republican Party. Now, granted. The Republican, If the Republican Party were what the Republican Party was, you know, when John McCain was running, when Mitt Romney was running, fine. You know, I'm sure there actually would be a lot of, more of Black Republicans if they weren't so outward with their racism. But mm-hmm. what the Republican Party is now and what Trump has turned into, I, not even just Black people, I can't for the life of me imagine anybody wanting to be a part of this Seriously. Party. But, uh, indeed, as a Black woman, you know, what are your views on Candace Owens? Candace Owens, I don't think
1: that she would describe herself as a Black woman. I don't think that she identifies with the Black community.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Clout chasing. I yeah. think that her beliefs are really not hers, to be yeah. quite honest. Um, she's shocking to me. She's appalling. Um, the whole Brexit thing doesn't make any sense. It's like, what are you offering? It's like, if there's going to be a barter system, if we're leaving the Democratic Party, and this is like... First of all, it's a generalization that all black people are in the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. Republican Party. What are you offering? What is so better over there that we're not getting where where we currently are? How are you championing our voice? Because you're not doing on either side. Mm -hmm. So, Kenneth Owens, to me, I don't even like speaking her name.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm with you on it. I just. Her whole story is very interesting to me because, you know, you're saying I don't even think she identifies as a black person. She completely does. And it's crazy to me mm-hmm. because I do, I don't think that, you know, black people are a monolith. I do think sure. that we're, we're all very different. We all have different interests and that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. But her approach to trying to show that the differences that we have is just so volatile mm-hmm. and it's so, um, I mean, she's just, She's very vicious in some of the things that she says. She's She's very vile. She's very demeaning. She's very demeaning. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I mean, what were your initial impressions
2: when you heard about Brexit? I thought somebody had misspelled Brexit. Like, (laughs) I I didn't really know that that was. You're like, what is this? (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 weird from from like an out an outside perspective. You know, as as a white male, like I. I don't understand why, I don't understand the the thought that any one community or race based purely on the color of their skin is a monolith or that they're all one political party or they're all one you know extreme or the other. But I, I just, it feels, the whole thing felt to me like someone who is literally being contrarian just to be contrarian, just to be the other side. It's not even devil's advocate. It's like, oh, well, because most people I see around me are X, Y, and Z, I'm going to be one, two, and three. And it it just seems like such a soulless existence, self-serving, oh <laughs> well, yeah, soulless existence, but but like a, like a self-serving thing, almost to like reassure herself that she's this individual, that she has her own beliefs, that that sh- that she's not succumbing to you know a- a- this conformist idea whatever it may be even though it may seem like she's going against the rational thought for both the community she's from and just humanity in general mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. mean it i it's not entirely surprising to me because i've i've seen people like that we all have and and i and i felt that on a much lesser extent not politically or anything but the idea of well everybody is saying this and likes to be this and identifies with this so the gut reaction is, well, I'm going to be the total opposite. Mm -hmm. But she seems to be taking it like far beyond the pale of just saying an opposite belief. Like you said, she's, it's really aggressive and antagonizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's almost not almost it's condescending to the point of, it sounds like, well, if you don't leave the democratic party, then you are less of a black person or you are less of whatever it is. And it's just like, it's, What's your end even, here? <laughs> right. like You're not even trying to say, you know, the Black community can be made up of different political views. You're saying the Black community is wrong and my political views are right, so you should come join this side. Right. It's the antithesis of what it's trying to stand for. Right. To me, from, from my perspective. Right. And I-, I-
0: I personally do wish that she would just, again, not be so condescending and just mean, but would lay out like, hey, this is why I chose to leave the Democratic Party. This is why the Republican Party has benefited me. This is why I think Black people will benefit from being Republicans. Like, if you just presented yourself in a better way, people might actually listen to what you have to say. But her approach is just so, like you said, it's it's antagonistic. So it's like, I'm not listening to you,
2: Mm -hmm. you know? But also, it also... I think part of it's because now we associate Democratic and Republican with not racist and racist. Mm -hmm. And regardless of to the depths of which that's true, which I think in a lot of ways it is, again, from my perspective, you guys obviously have something a little deeper, but it's like, you can't, it's not that simple. You can't just go out there and be mean and angry about (laughs) stuff and say you're doing the opposite without having some kind of information to back it up. I mean, at least
0: that's what it seems like to me. 100%. Um, Ndidi, I was going to ask you though, as a Black woman, I'm assuming you obviously um, identify as a Democrat. i uh,
2: f- independent.
1: I voted Democrat. You're in, OK. I, okay. Titles.
0: I get it. I get it. Well, so, but let, let's look at kind of what Candace is trying to say. Do you feel as a Black woman that the Democratic Party does need to do better for Black people?
1: I think America needs to do better for Black people. That's a whole nother conversation yeah. too. <laughs> If that's uh, you're trying to make, then I agree. I think both parties have taken advantage of Black people, especially Black women. Yeah, um, I yeah. elections, They're like, well, we need Black women to save us. I was like, well, you, y'all need to save us. Before y'all need, to, need to, to save us. Right. Always looking yes. for Black women to come in and swoop in and save the election. Yeah. I think both parties have taken advantage of Black people. Sure. However, in this current time, I feel like the Republican Party is outright racist. So I I cannot get down with that. And I was never that type of person to be like, oh, I'm anti-Republican, I'm anti-this. I don't even think Trump's a Republican. I think that he wanted to run with the party who would accept him for what he He
0: would. He would have ran as an independent if he thought it would benefit him more. Yeah.
1: So It's it's not even, I'm anti-Trump. It's not even like I'm anti-Republican. But this Republican Party right now, basura, trash. (laughs) She
0: pulled I'm out the Spanish.
2: The they it. probably wouldn't understand what that means.
0: She pulled out the, the <laughs> Spanish. Yes, yeah, that was great. But you, I mean, you do get to a deeper uh, a deeper point that America mm-hmm. as a whole hasn't done right by Black people yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I I truly hope with the Biden Harris campaign, with like his "lift every voice and sing" um, plan, that they actually. Do it <laughs> because all eyes are on you right now. I do think they are holding
1: to it. All these promises—we're yes. not yes. it's not the same generation. It's like, no, this is what you said. It's on your website.
0: It's all about That's holding the, them uh, accountable.
1: Wow, like they, we're not—it's not a game anymore.
0: It's all about holding them accountable. And that's the other thing. Look, when we go back to the whole cancel culture thing and people having issues with Biden and Harris, it's like, no, you don't give up now. This After they're right. voted in, that is when you start to do all of the work. That is when you start to push them. You you keep the pressure on them because you have to hold people accountable. Otherwise, they actually won't ever learn or make any changes.
2: Well, and there, I think there's a, a such a big difference that we as a society miss between saying something you did offends me or something you did wronged me or I take issue with it, I wanna voice that complaint and, and address how it can be changed or or or, move, or how we can move forward. There's a difference between that and like something you did angers me, so I don't care about you. I'm never gonna support you. I, you know, I don't want you to be in the public eye at all. I mean, I, and I can only speak for myself, like so many times I'm sure that I was putting my foot in my mouth on issues of race in the past, even even if I thought that I wasn't, because I don't know. I had there's no, I have no frame of reference as a white male. And I would expect and want and and appreciate people which you have done to me, Munda, saying like, okay, listen, like this is this here's coming from my perspective, shut up for a second. Listen to what, what's actually going on. And that's that's incredibly valuable because I think that that if we can do that with each other we should be able to do that with politicians yeah. without having to like completely negate their entire career and I think that I think that's a big struggle within the Democratic Party is a lot of people want to act as if they have done right by people of color just because they may have done better than the Republicans and those are two very different things. Good point. And a lot of people don't they don't want to realize that that's not the same thing that's just we're not outright racist. Yeah. Good
0: point. Yeah. It's a very good point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, before we wrap up, <clears throat> I'd love to hear from both of you predictions of things that will happen this week. <laughs>
1: <Ta-da>. <laughs> the rapture?
0: <laughs> Girl, it's been the rapture all year. Okay, this is the longest rapture ever.
2: <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of filler episodes in this rapture. <laughs> no.
1: I can't even predict anymore. At this point, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just holding on to my edges. I don't know what's going to happen in this week.
0: We never know. Every, every, every week, every day, honestly, is just a, a new episode. I want this uh, this series finale to happen already. But Ian, do you have any predictions? I
1: like, can I predict what I would like to see? Yes, absolutely. Like yeah. To get their act together and pass a stimulus bill that's going to help Americans. That's what I would like to see this week.
2: That would be great. I that agree. Would be great. I unfortunately don't think that's gonna happen. That's yeah. <laughs> I don't think so um and, and, but but I I my prediction in that will be that there will just be further squabbling because clearly the president thought he was being strong by saying or he was on drugs, that by saying that <laughs> no, the stimulus stru- talks are over and then the markets tanked and he freaked out. So he wants to be the one to say, I orchestrated the stimulus bill that saved America.
0: The savior. I think
2: we're seeing I think we're seeing that the Senate Republicans really don't care about that anymore yeah. and are now, since they are themselves close to a precipice of falling off, that they're starting to work, focus on self-preservation regardless of Trump or not. Um, so I feel like there's going to still be the squabbling and the arguing because every side, all three all three sides of the triangle are now purely on it and only in it for themselves. And as much as the Democrats may want to say they're in it for the American people only, I don't fully believe that. I think some of their, what they want would certainly benefit it, but they also want to secure a democratic win. They want to secure that the Democrats are the ones that that provided this, because that's politics. That's, yeah, it's politics in general. Absolutely. Um, in terms of Trump, I mean, I think there's some odds he relapses, you know, gets sick again. Uh, that was
0: going to be my prediction. I have a feeling that it's, it's not done with him with COVID.
2: I, and I, and I hate to an, antagonize every little, or sorry, um, overanalyze every little detail, but like he had the IV bandage the other day. He's st- still a little crazier than usual. Like his, his interview with, uh, Maria Baratome, I can't pronounce her last name for some reason, uh, this morning on Fox news was like crazy again. Like Biden wants to get rid of your cars. Yeah, <laughs> She asked him, she asked him about UFOs and he's like, Oh, I just heard about that two days ago. I'm going to, look into it like just I I feel like there's something still going on with him that's not just he sees bad poll numbers and was feeling sick I think there's still some some kind of long-lasting effect Mm -hmm. so maybe he gets sicker I mean I think the reality is though like we don't know there's no way to predict what's gonna
0: right right right
2: he he could release oh I, I can predict one thing uh, he's going to ruin the Clinton campaign this year by releasing all those emails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which brings me to a point: Hillary Clinton is not running. People need to stop oh bringing her God. up. They're obsessed with Hillary.
2: <laughs> all right. And, well, and did, no. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, you notice how like he keeps going on and on about it, and then like Bill Barr has to kind of be like, uh, "Yeah, well, it may not be ready by the election." Like, clearly, there's like nothing there. Or if there is, it's it's not about Biden or Obama or even Hillary. It's about like lower level people. Yeah. You know? Anyways. Yeah.
0: Well, the road to the election is going to be a very long one over these next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to have you guys joining me. So Ndidi and, and Ian will be back next week. And then in two more weeks, we'll have Drexel Heard joining us. Make sure you're subscribing to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.